episode 56 of the State of the Old Republic podcast was originally recorded on October 23rd, 2017. It's the State of the Old Republic podcast. This week on the show, I'm back, and as a way of saying thank you, I'm running my first cartel coin giveaway. Details ahead. The New York Cantina Tour was held while I was gone. I'll get you caught up on all of the exciting news to come out of the Big Apple. Game Update 5.5 released on October 10th. I'll review some of the key features from the latest patch. And with that, it's time to make the jump to light speed and check out the state of the Old Republic. Welcome to episode 56 of the State of the Old Republic podcast. I'm your host, Ted, and as you heard in the opening, I have another great show lined up for you today. As always, let's start with some announcements for the Old Republic. First up, I'm back, and I do apologize for the long delay between episodes, but I should be on a regular schedule from now until the end of the year, and fingers crossed. That said, as a reward for your patience, I'm going to do a cartel coin giveaway. I've got a bunch of codes, which if I were to use them myself, I'd get in all kinds of trouble. So I got to give them away. So here's what you need to do. I want to know who your favorite companion is, your BFF in the Old Republic. Send me a screenshot of you with your favorite companion. And it can be anyone, by the way. It's not just limited to class companions or story companions. If your BFF is an act dog or Wampa or the Gamorrean Pigman, that's perfectly fine. This is not a beauty contest. I'm not going to be judging. I will select winners randomly from the pool of entries. Email your screenshots to me at sotorpodcast at gmail.com. Be sure to include a name that you'd like to be referred to as. It can be a character name, your Twitter name, or a Twitch name. I want to announce the winners. And I also want to post all of the screenshots over at SOTORpodcast.com. And I'm guessing you probably don't want to use your real names. The contest will end on Thursday, November 2nd, and I will contact each winner via email. So just to recap, I'm giving away cartel coins. There will be multiple winners. Just send me a screenshot of you with your favorite companion to sotorpodcast at gmail.com. The contest ends on November 2nd. All winners will be selected randomly. Winners will be notified via email. And if that weren't enough, my good friends over at the council are also running a contest, but I'll let them tell you all about it. Mine looks like Satana, though. Mine looks like a Star Wars character. And mine looks like Palpatine. Hey, guys, what are you talking about? What do our characters look like in SWOTOR, obviously? Ooh, speaking of SWOTOR, the coffers of my empire are overflowing with cartel coin codes that I need to give out to the masses. Yeah, and I have way too many cartel coins. This is my humble brag. Nice. Give them to me. Uh, well, I mean, I probably can't because we're, you know, guildies. So how about we do a cosmetics contest? I would like people to submit their screenshots to us. We could give them your codes as prizes because I have no codes. And then, you know, we could vote on the winners. We could let the community even in. 
Okay, but there might be way too many people submitting way too many outfits to vote on. So you guys are my own personal dark council, right? At least that's how I thought this works. So why don't we pick from our favorites and then throw our leftovers to the masses and let them pick from what's left? Sure, almighty oh emperor, we'll do it your way. But I want us to use my council email address. The one that's magicace at thecouncilsvotor.com. That way people can submit the screenshots and then, you know, we can talk about what they're wearing. Due October 24th, so we have time to judge before Halloween. Speaking of which, Redna, what's your character wearing? Wait, um, I'm supposed to put clothes on my character? Where do you get those? Please understand that by submitting an image to us, you agree to allow us to publish it with credit attributed to you. Make sure to email your images to us with your Twitch, Twitter, or Facebook names attached so that we can communicate with you without confusion should you win the contest. That's not all that's happening in the community right now either. On November 4th, the Unholy Alliances Guild is holding an Extra Life charity event. And rather than have me screw up all the details, here they are to tell you everything you need to know. Hey, Tour fans, it's that time of year again. That's right, it's time to get ready for Extra Life. The Wookiee Alliance Extra Life Marathon will be on November 4th, starting at 11 a.m. Eastern Time, and run for 12 hours. Join us for Swotor Wood Squares, an in-game reenactment of the Classic American Game Show. This event will feature members of the Swotor content creator community, and also our special center square will be none other than community manager Eric Musco. In addition, we'll have the Fort Tuscan Grand Prix, a PvP hostage rescue game, a fashion show, a radio-free dance party, and much, much more. Join the team or donate to one of the team members. Details are at unholyalliance.org slash extra life. Remember, join us on the Harbinger server Saturday, November 4th at 11 Eastern. Play games and heal kits. And that's it for the announcements. Let's slice the holonet and get to the news this week. Because I've been out, there is a lot to catch up on. And while some of this is old news, I'd be remiss if I didn't cover it at all. Let's start with the Cantina Tour held in New York City. The big news that came out in New York was that author Timothy Zahn served as a consultant for the upcoming A Traitor Among the Chiss story. That story will be told via a new Flashpoint in Game Update 5.6. That's pretty darn cool. To put it in Star Wars terms, Timothy Zahn is kind of a big deal. I've said it many times before, Heir to the Empire is the book that launched a thousand stories. It came out in the summer of 1991, and at that time, Star Wars was dead. Prior to this, we had three films, and Return of the Jedi was already eight years old. We had the Han Solo trilogy by Brian S. Daly, may he rest in peace, Splinter of the Mind's Eye, and a Lando Calrissian trilogy. All of these were separate adventures that didn't bring all the main characters together, nor did they really tie into the main story of Star Wars. In fact, Splinter of the Mind's Eye was meant to be a low-budget sequel to Star Wars in the event that the movie flopped. Lucky for us, it didn't, and we got The Empire Strikes Back instead. Heir to the Empire was the first real story that brought all of the main characters from the films back together in an all-new adventure and in the uncharted galaxy that was post-Return of the Jedi. Zahn took us back to that galaxy far, far away for the first time in a long time, and it was glorious. 
That is until you realized you were going to have to wait a year before you could read Dark Force Rising and then wait another year for The Last Command. Heir to the Empire and its sequels served as a launch pad for the series of books, novels, and comics we have today, including The Old Republic. Suffice it to say, I am more than excited that Timothy Zahn was brought in to help guide and develop a story involving the species and culture that he created. And here are some things that Timothy Zahn had to say about that experience. It's been a great opportunity to include more female Chiss characters, something I've always wanted to do more in the novels. It was a fun chance to explore Chiss culture that hasn't come up in the books yet, like Chiss structures and cultural rituals. And he said... It's fun to start theorizing about how the Chiss could have withdrawn from the greater galaxy over time, between the Old Republic and the films, and possibly explore how that happened in a future update. As you're probably aware, Timothy Zahn is working on a sequel to his Thrawn novel, so it'd be pretty cool if he were to make a connection between the Chiss in the current timeline to the Chiss as established in the Old Republic, referencing Chiss customs and cultural norms as depicted in A Traitor Among the Chiss. As we learned in the roadmap, the story is going to take place on the planet Copero, which was described as having beachfront resorts, rocky cliff sides, and breathtaking mountain vistas. They released a screenshot of it, and it looks exactly like they described. It's a gorgeous place, and we don't get many pretty places like this in the Old Republic. And since it's pretty and serene, and a place I'd like to have a stronghold and explore and revisit, it can only mean one thing. We're going to blow it up. We're going to go in there with guns and lightsabers blazing, and we're going to set the place on fire because that's what we do. It's going to be the textbook definition of why we can't have nice things. Now, the premise of the story is that the Chiss are having an internal struggle, and one of their factions has agreed to work with Theron Shan and has offered him refuge on Capero. The other faction is now reaching out to us to gain our support in fighting their battle, and this faction appears to be led by Aristocras Saganu of House Murani, and if you played the Imperial Agent story, you'll remember him from your adventures on Hoth. He was working with Reina Temple, who we'll see again as well. If you haven't played an agent, now is a good time to roll one, to get that background. In fact, I made a new Chiss female agent just for this purpose. The agent story was the first one I did when the game launched six years ago. I've only done the story one other time, and I have to say, I'm really enjoying it this third time through. In fact, it's my first female agent and my first operative, and I kind of like it. Stealth and poisons, all good times. Now, while it won't finish the story, a traitor among the Chiss should give us some closure with what's going on with Theron, who, by the way, is sporting a ridiculous haircut. And there are many reasons I could think of as to why I wouldn't want to accept Theron back into the Alliance, even if his intentions are good. I just never imagined a bad haircut would be the top of the list. But we should know more about what he's up to and whether or not we're willing to forgive and forget. A Trader Among the Chists will go live on November 28th, this part of Game Update 5.6, and it looks pretty good. Uh, there is a trailer, There is a teaser trailer for the story, and even though this is radio and not television, I'm going to leave you with a little sneak peek. Good timing, Commander. It seems the right people saw your broadcast to Theron. I just approved a landing request from an unarmed shuttle from the Chiss Ascendancy. The envoy claims he has a lead on where Theron went. If someone spotted Theron, that means we can reach him before he makes a huge mistake. A pleasure to finally meet you, Commander. Aristocrat Saganu of the Chiss Expansionary Defense Force. You said you have information on Theron? Information that will benefit us both. 
Theron Shan is hiding on the Chiss world of Copero. He's receiving aid from Syndic Zenta of House Inrokini in exchange for Alliance secrets. With our help, you can catch them both unaware. But we can't capture Theron without igniting a political war. But if a strike team were to land and take care of the problem, the Ascendancy will look the other way. Let's bring Theron home. Let's bring Theron home. Maybe there's some hope there. And I'd love to know how many times it took for the actor playing Saganu to say he's receiving aid from Sindrik Zenta from House Irikini. I wonder if they spell out the words or if they do it phonetically. I would think they would do the latter because it would just make a lot more sense. But who knows? A Trader Among the Chiss is coming in Game Update 5.6. In the meantime, Game Update 5.5 was released on October 10th. And while there was no major content, i.e. a new Flashpoint Operation or Warzone per se, there were some pretty significant changes. There was some work done for the United Forces campaign. They changed the server selection UI so it only displays five server names. That's because after the merge happens, there will only be five servers. Now, this did cause some confusion, even though the patch note said you can use the mouse wheel to scroll through the list. I don't know why that had to be part of this update versus waiting until November 8th, nor do I know why it has to be a fixed size, I think most, but I think most people have figured out how it works by now, and in case you haven't, just scroll and voila, the servers will automatically appear. One other change that was made, the stronghold cap was raised to 10. Also, they changed how strongholds contribute to conquest. The bonus is capped at 150%, and it is now totaled from all active strongholds. This is good because prior to this, you needed to completely decorate a stronghold to get the 25% bonus. That's no longer the case. Now you're probably thinking, well, the cap to 10 is great. There are only seven strongholds in the game. This is true, but remember, servers are getting merged on November 8th. And if you have legacies that are merging, you'll get to keep the strongholds from all of your legacies. So when the mergers happen, you could conceivably have 10 or more strongholds. In fact, I transferred a tune over to another server for just this purpose. So if you're like me and don't have the 150% bonus yet, it's going to be a lot easier to get there after the merge. And in case you aren't aware, server transfers are currently disabled, as is Conquest. And a couple other stronghold changes. Uh, they added terminals so you could replay the stronghold cinematics anytime you want. The first time you visit a stronghold on a character, the cinematic will play. After that, if you want to see it, you have to use the new terminal. This is a great quality of life change. I stopped visiting my Manan and Umbara strongholds because the cinematic played every single time I went there. So I love this change. They also added taxi points to the Yavin 4 and Tatooine strongholds. I thought this was a silly idea at first, but they're kind of nice. Not so much because they're quick transportation, but because they give a nice view and perspective of the strongholds that we didn't get before. It's a nice little perk. And speaking of something that should have been a nice little perk, but turned out to be not so nice, let's talk about the changes to Commanding Legacy. Here's how it works according to the patch notes. The Commanding Legacy perk has been modified to allow a player to get a 25% CXP bonus for each mirrored base they have in their Legacy at Command Rank 300. This buff stacks up to 100%. Example, a Sith Warrior and a Jedi Knight that are both command rank 300, only count once. Now, it's important to note that this is a revised patch note. It's something that was discovered 
after game update 5.5 went live. The perk was originally sold to us that we would receive a 25% increase to CXP for each character that reached rank 300 with the perk capping out at 100%. So what happened? Well, here's what Eric Musco had to say on the forums. I know there are questions about how we communicated or didn't around this perk, so let me explain what happened. When Keith put information on the perk in the roadmap, it was meant to be fairly general, but we realized if we had been more specific, we could have saved some of his some of this frustration. The requirements for the perk were born out of some technical limitations which prevented us from giving you a bonus for any character which hit 300, such as multiple Sith warriors. As I was gathering the notes for 5.5, I didn't realize that limitation had been put in place and it wasn't caught during internal review. None of this is meant as an excuse. You should have had this information before today and it should have been in the notes. I apologize for that not being communicated. That's on me. Well, as always, I appreciate that they gave us an explanation, although I'm still a little confused. So here's my interpretation. The original design was to grant the additional bonuses without the class restriction, but this was kind of an afterthought. In other words, they came up with the original perk of 25%, and the person implementing it probably saw a way that they could do it quickly by hooking into an existing system, which did have things based on classes. And at the time, there was no discussion about evolving it in any way. I say this because as a general rule, putting in restrictions adds complexity and time and effort. So if this perk and its extension were being created from the ground up, there's no way you'd add in class restrictions if it's not part of the design. So either this was the design and they forgot to tell us, and this is all just a communications snafu, or it was intended that there would be no class restrictions. However, the original vision for the perk was just a 25% boost and was built without the future in mind. Now, I'm fortunate that my three characters at rank 300 are a bounty hunter, Sith warrior, and Sith inquisitor. I was working on a Jedi consular, but now I need to switch gears and focus on either an Imperial agent or smuggler to get the 100% perk. And not everyone can be a freak like Keith and have double-digit tunes at rank 300. It's still a grind, and it does take time. And the way this perk works, it doesn't encourage you to play any tunes you like. So I really wish they had gone... Well, let me just say this. I really wish they hadn't implemented it this way, technical limitations or or not. I don't like it. And uh, there were achievements added for getting all the classes to rank 300 as well. And now I like that, but tying the restriction to the perk, uh, intended or not, I think is a bad idea. And sticking with Galactic Command for a moment, there were a few other changes here as well. The Command Crate slot, which previously had a chance to only roll schematics, has been changed. That slot now has a chance to reward schematics, Command XP boosts, Command XP consumables, Grand Chance Cubes, and item modifications from Galactic Command gear. The chance of the slot appearing in a Command Crate has been greatly improved. This is nice, especially that Grand Chance Cube, which I believe is not bound, although I also believe that it's pretty rare too. I haven't done much Galactic Command since I've been back, so I haven't seen this slot in action and don't have a good feel for what drops and how often. There were also changes to the Dark versus Light victory state. The Dark versus Light pop-up, which indicates the status of the war, now appears every 90 minutes, up from 30. And then, 
When one side wins the dark versus light war, the victory state now lasts 18 hours up from one hour and not documented in the patch notes. If your victory state lasts more than 18 hours, call a developer immediately. I know they wanted to give more time to kill the dark versus light world bosses and take advantage of the bonus, but this seems a little extreme. So instead of the victory state changing, what, 24 times a day, it's gone down to one? Another thing that changed was the CXP rewards for daily areas like Yavin 4 in Zyost. This was the bug that became a temporary feature, and now it's gone. However, it's not going to stay gone for long. Brian and Chuck from Bad Feeling Podcast held another Bad Feeling Bouvet with Eric Musco and Charles Boyd. Here's what they had to say about how they plan to change the CXP rewards for those daily areas. Uh, what have more, you done to me, Charles? More drinks. More drinks. <laughs> yeah, so that patch, uh, that patch, when that happens, will um, we'll be taking that bugged value, uh, like you said, at 1125? Yeah. yeah, whatever. Mm-hmm. Let's call it 1,000 for call it, yeah, For the sake of my explanation, let's call it 1,000. It's not going to be that. Um, taking that value, and then for the weekly quests, the, these are the missions that collect the dailies from each daily area. Uh, those particular weeklies um, will now give the equivalent value for all the quests within that weekly. So, for example, if a daily area had five quests that used to give a thousand under the bug, thousand CXP under the bug, mm-hmm. if that weekly had those five in it, that weekly will now give five thousand CXP. So it will be okay. as though, when you do each weekly, it will be as though you are doing those daily missions. So you at have that to rate. complete the weekly to get that. Bonus. Correct. Yes. Correct. But the dailies award how much? Each? Seventy-five. They're yeah. back to the low where they were. Okay. Yeah. Right. Now, what about the bonus? Like Oricon, you can mm-hmm. do the macro binoculars thing, and you can. There's a bonus quest on one mm-hmm. of those dailies. Does that count towards the weekly super bonus? No, like is, another thousand I have to check on the if weekly? That's the total. It is, yeah. It is basically my understanding is the weekly mission itself. New so bug. if it is tracked, if it is tracked as part of the weekly specifically, okay. Yes. Otherwise, no. Otherwise, no. So those changes are going to go live on October 31st, uh, so we won't have to wait long for that to go into effect. It should be noted that the Black Hole and Section X weekly quests have a group quests that you need to complete to get credit for the weekly. The other areas do not. Just something to keep in mind if you're burning a CXP boost. Nothing worse than just standing around trying to form a group watching that thing tick away. May not be worth it, the effort there. Uh, There were many class changes in Game Update 5.5. I'm not going to go through them all in any great detail, other than to say this was the final round of tuning uh, to bring advanced classes to their target numbers. And now that they're all nice and balanced, be prepared to throw them all out of whack with new augments coming in Game Update 5.6. Remember, there will be two tiers, uh, one that you get from the Capero Flashpoint and better ones that we'll be able to craft. During the Bad Feeling Bouvet, Brian and Chuck asked about the augments and their impact, and this is what Eric and Charles had to say. We wanted to have something new and, and, and actually exciting for players to chase. You know, everyone likes cosmetics, everyone likes decos, everyone likes sure. that kind of stuff. But power is still, for most players, the main draw, right? So uh, we just essentially landed on augments as a way to give players a little more power. Um, okay. Without having to go with the specific, you know, new tier of gear, new command levels route. And there is one thing that's important. And it, it had been a long time since we actually updated them, right? They're pretty far back from yeah. from the average like, gear levels. So yeah. it and felt like a time to, to get back to that. And there is one important distinction, too. And you guys will learn more about this when we start talking, like, super specifics on the augments. But the augments are not designed currently in a way that you are absolutely going to have the best augments all the time. Yeah. Like, 
there is chase in those okay. augments. So yeah. the game the game is still balanced around the current augments because we expect most people will have those augments. The other ones are beneficial to go above it, but it's not necessarily like every level 70 is going to be running around in the best augments in the entire game. Okay. At least not immediately. Correct. There is <laughs> there is a chase component to it, so just know at least a little bit of that part. Mm. Okay. So that's, that's where I think part of... I totally understand the yeah. reasonableness of the question that like why nerf us to then just make everybody more powerful well because not everybody's going to be more powerful yeah right away right away right away, right away. Right away. i mean look, but, you know eventually all things in time sure probably sure. Yeah. so will these augments turn everything on their head or will they be the purview of the game's elite we'll know a lot more on november 28th and as you heard there is a blog on all of this coming soon those were changes to the ground game. Receiving some major changes in Game Update 5.5 was the Old Republic's space game, Galactic Starfighter. And I'm not going to sit here and read all of the cha- these changes to you. You can do that on your own. I just don't play Galactic Starfighter enough to really speak to all of them. What I'm really hoping is that when the server merges happen, we'll see reasonable cues for GSF. I'm not holding my breath, but if GSF cues pop on a regular basis after the merge... I think we can all declare the United Forces campaign a huge success. And a few final notes from Game Update 5.5. The IOCAT Daily area received some improvements. Again, I haven't had a chance to check those out. And I know it was supposed to be a daily area version 2.0, but I just don't find myself visiting it and doing those dailies that often. Something about IOCAT just doesn't work for me compared to, say, some of the other daily areas that have been added to the game. There were some new decorations added to the reputation vendors there, so that will probably get me to go there because I do like collecting decorations. In addition to the Iocath vendor changes, vendors were added to the fleets so you could purchase companion customizations for opposite faction companions, and the new Dark versus Light vendors had companion customizations added for Prince Arkin, and they're nice. You get a version of him with his mask on. So that is all I have for 5.5. There is one more thing I want to mention that came out of the Bad Feeling Bouvet, and that's role-playing after the merge. Apparently, they wanted to create some instanced areas of some kind for role-players to utilize. Unfortunately, it's not going to happen in time for the United Forces campaign, but it is a high priority for the team. I know that role-players are concerned about how they might be treated after the merge, and let me just say this. Leave these folks alone. Because you know what? Everybody role-plays in this game. When you create a character that isn't yourself, you're role-playing. When you choose an outfit for your character, you're role-playing. When you choose a weapon and color crystal, when you make dialogue choices, you're role-playing. Everybody role-plays in this game to some degree. So if you find a group of people hanging out and doing their thing, just put on your grown-up pants and leave them alone. So that's a lot of stuff coming our way, and in order to deliver all of that stuff to us, it means a lot of unscheduled maintenance and downtime. The maintenance schedule has been released through the end of the year, and the schedule is as follows. So, October 24th, extended maintenance to prepare hardware for United Forces. Also, character transfers are now closed, and Conquest has been suspended. October 31st, there will be maintenance and a patch that will have those CXP changes to the daily areas that I just talked about. Then November 8th, this is a Wednesday. It will be a long maintenance. And when all is said and done, United Forces will be live. This is the server merge day. Now, when United Forces goes live, there will be achievements and rewards that you can earn. 
One of those rewards is the Darth Hexed Companion, and there was some confusion on what you needed to do to earn that reward. According to the blog that was posted, you will earn the Merciless Darth Hexed Companion when you complete three PvE or three PvP missions through Group Finder by the November 27th deadline. This makes it sound like you could mix and match here. For example, if you did two PvE activities and then one PvP activity, you'd qualify for the reward. Well, that's not how it works. You will earn Darth Hexed by either doing three PvE activities or three PvP activities. In fact, there is an achievement for doing three PvE activities, and there is an achievement for doing three PvP activities. While Darth Hexit is not tied to these achievements, if you earn one of these achievements, you'll know that you've qualified for Darth Hexit as well. Clear as mud, right? And then on November 28th, Game Update 5.6 goes live, new story, Flashpoint, Warzone, and more. This is a big one. And then finally, as we move into December, there will be maintenance uh, on December 12th for game update 5.6.1. And then again on December 19th, that's just back end maintenance. And that's probably going to be it until January. And that's definitely going to be it for today. It is good to be back. I look forward to seeing all of your contest submissions and handing out those codes. Thank you so much for listening and with that let me cue the music and congratulate you on surviving another half hour listening to episode 56 of the state of the old republic podcast i'm your host ted and i thank you for tuning in you can find this podcast on itunes stitcher google play youtube and buzzsprout you can also listen to the show directly from the show site which is sotorpodcast.com and there is an rss feed where you can subscribe to the podcast directly If you have a question for the show, you can email me at sotorpodcast at gmail.com. You can also tweet your questions to at sotorpodcast or send me a direct message. And be sure to follow me on Twitter to get the latest information on the show. Look for episode 57 on October 31st. And remember the Sith Code, cake is a lie.